Hey, so much great stuff going on in the life of the church, isn't it? It makes me so proud to be leading you guys when we reach out and, and bring comfort and help where people need comfort and help. And so great that we've got people who are willing to produce the technology so that we can bring out a gospel message and encourage each other with God's word and truth. So it's just my privilege to bring another thought into your world. We're on this series that we're calling What an Absolute Character. And the premise is that people, and you'll all know some people in your world who are um, extremely funny or, or silly or serious, and there'll be a moment when you look at each other and go, oh, well, what a character, what an absolute character. And that's the essence of the title, because what character ultimately is, is what's going on the inside of you displaying itself in your behaviour on the outside of you. So people can see how you are on the inside by how you act on the outside, and it's all linked with your character. Here's our challenge. We've had this word about a new normal, and uh, we're challenging ourselves. Do we want to take our old selves into a new normal? And the answer clearly is no, because we could all tweak ourselves a bit. And so we're looking at what in my world do I need to tweak so that as I step into a new normal, I'm a better version of myself and therefore I can flourish at a greater level. It's always been God's heart that we would flourish. And so let's work with him, let's study his word, let's challenge ourselves, let's take our lives to him and say, help me to become a better version of myself, to look at my character so that I can behave in a better way going forward and therefore experience a better and fuller life. It's founded in some of these thoughts here in Romans uh, chapter 5 and verses 3 through 5. It says this in the New King James Version. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in all our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so here we are finding ourselves in this moment of tribulation. It's been difficult for everyone on all kinds of levels. But what happens is as you persevere, something goes off on the inside of you that says, we're getting through this. My character is able to handle it. And it produces hope that we can keep going and get out the other side. So character is so, so important. So as we look at who, what we want to achieve going forward as our lives unfold in the next three years and five years and 10 years and 20 years, what character traits do we need to develop so that our hopes are fulfilled going forward? That's the premise of this. And we've been looking at different biblical characters and today I want to look at two women, both called Mary. They're not the same woman, they're two women called Mary. And uh, we find one lesson walked out in two different ways that I think is going to be helpful for us as we consider who do I want to be going forward. The, the, the challenge or the question or the wrestle I want us to have is there are times to stop and times to go. There are times to be a student and listen, and there are times to be a servant and be active. There's this balance in life between stopping and going, being active and pausing, being a student and being a servant. And we're going to analyse that right now, and I hope that it will help you wrestle with how you use your time. Because time is the key. There is a time for everything. And when we get time unbalanced, we don't function at our highest level. So we need some wisdom in all of this. The first Mary we're going to look at is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, I'm sure everyone is familiar with Mary, the mother of Jesus. But we're going to look at her in this moment, really famous moment, 
where she goes to Jesus at the wedding at Cana where they've run out of wine. And what you need to know is that a Jewish wedding wouldn't have been like ours a one day affair, it goes on. And it would be highly embarrassing for the host family to run out of wine. It would have, everyone would have looked down on them forever afterwards if they'd run out of wine. And so Mary knew the importance of the situation. And we pick it up here. Uh, John chapter 2 and verses 1 through 5. On the third day a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now, Jesus gives a really unusual response here. Mary comes to him and says they need some more wine, and Jesus doesn't refer to the issue, he refers to time. My hour has not yet come. What is he going on about? Well, I think we can find out what he's going on about if we look at his life much later. In fact, just before he gets crucified when he's speaking with the disciples. Look what he says here in John chapter 12, many years later, uh, and verse 27, Jesus speaking, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Can you see the link? In the wedding he says it's not my hour, and just before he goes to be crucified he said this is the hour I came for. You, can you see the link there? So right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he was saying, I'm fully focused. I know what I'm here to do, and that's where my attention is. I know the time, why I've come, and my hour is for this, to lay my life down for other people. His purpose solely was to reconnect humanity with his Father. He went to a cross that he didn't deserve, and his purpose was to break down the barriers that are built up between man and God. And he gave us a swap. He said, my life for your death. He said, my righteousness for your unrighteousness. He said, my acceptance for your unacceptance. He just said, my, my prosperity for your lack. There's this, there's this exchange that goes on when there's a yes in your heart for Jesus that he came with that absolute certainty in himself that this is what I'm here to do. And so at the beginning of his ministry, he said, this isn't my hour because I know what my hour is about. Is to lay my life down so that me and you can have a relationship with the King of Kings which enables us to flourish in life with hope. Can you see what he, his attention was? But here is Mary. She's not thinking about the long term ahead. She's in this moment and in this given moment we need to do something. Come on Jesus. She comes to him and I wonder why in the end he did what she asked. And there could be lots of reasons for that. It could be that this is his mum. And the Bible tells us, honour your father and mother that all may go well with you. It's, it's the command that comes with a promise. And here's his mum asking him, saying, come on Jesus, would you step in? Now it could be that he honours his mum in that moment. That is one thing. It could be that he sees the need, he sees the distress this would be calling on the family, uh, the, the host family, and he says, I could step in. And so his heart is moved 
to become the solution to someone else's distress. And right there is the heart of Jesus. He always wants them to step into darkness and difficulty and bring light and hope all of the time. It's who he is. Or it could be this, and this is my favourite example, and it's probably all of these things mashed together. But there is a faith sound in Mary. You never go to someone and ask them to do something that you believe they can't do. You don't go to a, uh, someone on the street who is homeless, for instance, and say, could you lend me £10,000? You know they won't be able to do that. But you might go to a business person and say, could you help me out with £10,000? Because you believe they have the ability to help. Now, Mary goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, they've run out of wine. What's she doing? She's giving a faith shout to say, I know you're the answer here. And is it that faith shout in Mary that causes Jesus to respond? Because God always loves to respond to faith. We find Jesus much later in his ministry coming across a centurion, a Roman centurion guard. And he comes to Jesus and he says, my servant is ill and dying. And Jesus says, I'll come. And he says, no, you don't need to come because I'm a man under authority. And I know that if my commander says I have to do something, I have to do something. So if you speak the word, I know your authority will change the situation. And Jesus says, wow, you've got it. I've never witnessed such faith in my whole ministry of what you've displayed right there. It is done for you. And he goes home and his servant is well. You see, Jesus responds to faith. And Mary's request is a request based on faith. So he does the miracle. And we know how it pans out. He turns the water into wine. Now the question I want to ask you at this point is, who experiences the miracle? You see, the people drinking the wine clearly love it. There's this exclamation of, wow, this is the best wine. No one brings out the best wine last, obviously, because you want the best wine at the beginning when everyone's tasting it nicely. But when everyone's a little bit tiddly later at the wedding, it doesn't matter what they're drinking then. But they bring out the best wine at the end, and it causes a stir. What's Jesus done there? He's turned a moment which could have brought absolute embarrassment to the family and turned it into a moment of honour. And that is the heart of Jesus right there. When we find ourselves in a moment of distress and embarrassment, Jesus steps in and says, no, 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 no. I'm going to lift you up because you're my kids and I love you. And so we see the heart of Jesus right there. But I don't believe it's the people drinking the wine that experience the miracle. All they experience is this amazing wine. The people that experience the miracle are the servants because they're the ones who watched what happened. They're the ones who poured the water into the jars and they're the same people who then poured the liquid into the glasses and watched it become wine and went, what? They experienced the miracle. You see, servanthood requires activity. You have to do something to serve. And so what God does here in the very first miracle that Jesus performs is he says there's something about a servant heart that releases and experiences the miraculous. And I know many of you are desperate for a miracle in your world right now. And I want to say one of the keys to unlock that is the ability in the heart to be active and to serve in faith, honouring God and honouring people. Servanthood releases miracles. And servanthood reflects the heart of Jesus. Because Jesus himself said, 
The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and lay his life down as a ransom for many. Since Jesus at his heart was a servant leader. He showed the way in life by saying, I'm going to serve you, I'm going to lay my life down, I'm not going to make it about me, I'm going to make it about you. Servanthood always carries sacrifice, because when it's not about you, it costs you something. And then when you get active and you bless someone else, God can have his weight to it. So my question is in terms of timing, what is God saying to you in this time? And just as Mary demonstrates, just do what he tells you. Why? Because on the back of your obedience, a miracle will follow and you'll be like, yes! You know, we need to stop, keep crying out for miracles and start serving some people and allow God something to work with. So, so, so good. I don't know about you, but I've organised lots and lots of events in my time, birthday parties and church events and all kinds of different things. And in those moments when you're planning, you know you need people in your world who will say, I'd love to help you. There's like a, a yes in their heart that says, I can see this is a busy time, what can I do? You love those people. God loves those people too. There is much work to be done in, in helping people's lives, in revealing heaven to earth, in, in showing the heart of Jesus. And God is looking for his people to have a yes in their heart, to say, what are you doing in this time, Lord God? Because I want to be active. I want to be involved. I want to be your servant. I want to show the heart of Jesus to people. And it takes action. So there are times when we just need to do something. There are times when we just need to be active. There are times when we need to have the servant heart and be willing to do what it takes. Whatever he tells you to do, just do it. You know, the Nike slogan is so good at this moment, isn't it? Just do it. Maybe we need to walk around with a tick on our, on our collars. But here's the thing. I love this side thought. The world has much to offer. It really does. There's so much out there to go and explore and find and enjoy. The world has lots to offer, but Jesus has the best wine. You see, in the midst of the party of life, when Jesus rocks onto the scene, people take a sip of what Jesus brings and say, wow, you saved the best till last. Jesus will always bring the kind of life that will put a smile on people's face. And if you don't know Jesus yet today, my encouragement is to press into him, reach out to him, because he will bring the best wine. He will bring the flavor. He will bring out the goodness in your world, and he loves you. So in the first situation we're looking at here, we find Mary who knows this is the time to get active. This is the time to serve. There's a situation here and we have the ability to be part of the solution. Come on, stop looking at it. Just do whatever he tells you. Now, the next situation with the other Mary is very, very different. And I want to read it to you. This is uh, Mary who is the sister to Martha and the sister to Lazarus and Jesus is very fond of his family. We find this story in Luke chapter 10 and verses 38 to 42. Look at this with me. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. Listen to this. But few things are needed, 
or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. It will not be taken away from her. You see what's happening here. Martha is hosting Jesus and his disciples and there's lots to be done. So she's being busy. I've got to tidy up. I've got to be in the kitchen. I've got to make a meal. I've got to do some stuff. And she gets really annoyed that Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet and listening. And, and you kind of think, well, kind of fair enough, I might feel the same. But her issue is she hasn't recognised the time. There is a time to be busy and to do. And there is a time to stop and to listen. And Jesus says, Martha, you're missing it. That you think there's so much that is needed. And there is not so much that is needed. The best thing in this moment is what Mary has chosen. To stop and to listen. Remember Jesus said, this is not my hour. He speaks of time. And so if you look at this situation through the eyes of time, we can see that Mary is making a better choice. There is a moment to stop and to listen and to revere Jesus. And this sitting at Jesus' feet, it's the posture of a student. When you sit at the master's feet, you're listening and taking on his wisdom and his words and his teaching and you're sucking it up. Imagine sitting at the feet of Jesus, actually sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to his wisdom. What would that do on the inside of you? You see, there is a time for servants and there is a time for students. And our wrestle is, which time are we in at any given moment, in any given day, in any given week, in any given month, in any given year, there is always time. And our wrestle as we look at character is, what is the time in your world? You may be familiar with the, the, the idea of the, cult, the golden calf. There was a time when Moses was going up the mountain to be with God and the people were waiting to hear on God. But because it was a little while, they got impatient waiting on God and thought, we need to do something. And so they put together all their trinkets of gold and their jewellery and they melted them down and they made this golden calf. And they're all like dancing and clapping. Wow, look at what we've done with our hands. And they were celebrating the golden calf. And it's just like they put this uh, and made an idol because they weren't able just to wait on God. They just got busy and they made this golden calf. Now, you know, those of you who are in church today say, oh, we would never do that, the golden calf. I mean, well, wait on God. But here's what we do. We get ourselves busy. We get ourselves busy in life, busy in relationships, busy hosting, busy pursuing careers, busy studying, busy, 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 busy. And there is a moment where we need to stop and sit at the feet of Jesus. But we've got so busy, we haven't got time to stop. And what we're doing is we're making a golden calf. This busyness, this thing I've got to do has become more important than me than stopping in my life to sit at the feet of Jesus. It's become an idol, can you see? And so we need to recognise there is a time to stop the busyness. Busyness is important for life to flow. But there is a time to stop and make a priority of sitting at the feet of Jesus. Because when you sit at the feet of Jesus, he fills you up. He fills you up with hope. He fills you up with wisdom. He fills you up with faith. He fills you up with love. He inspires you. So actually, when you get back into your busyness, you're in a better position to be busy. You will, you will flourish more. You will achieve more because you're full. But so often we get so busy, we miss the times to stop. And I wonder as we come out of this 
season of lockdown or step into a new normal, is there a, a, an essence where we can start thinking, I need to understand the timings in my life better. I recognize I get busy. So do we need to stop and actually make a plan? This is how I'm gonna go. I'm gonna prioritize the times where I sit with Jesus because I know it benefits me. Look at what happens when you sit with Jesus, he pulls out of you things that you've never seen in yourself and certainly other people have never seen in yourself. He's got a history of doing this. When, when people looked at David, they saw a shepherd boy. But Jesus saw a king, or, or God saw a king. When you look at, at Moses, people saw a, a stammering murderer. But God saw a, a great leader. And when you look at Sarai, people saw a barren old woman. But God saw the mother of many. And when people get around God, he pulls out of them things that other people don't even see. It is so important we recognize the time to stop, to sit at the feet of Jesus, and let him put into you wisdom and pull out of you gifting because it will make your world better. When we consistently sit at the feet of Jesus and difficulty comes, we are full. You see, we're in a moment of difficulty. We all understand this term difficulty right now. But for those of us who sit at the feet of Jesus, we are prepared on the inside to handle what's on the outside. It's where we have hope where there doesn't seem to be any hope. It's where we have life where there seems to be no life. It's where we have a future where there seems to be no future because we're sat at the feet of Jesus and he's filled us up. You see, Jesus himself went away to be with the Father. He removed himself from the busyness of ministry, from the busyness of relationship, from the busyness of, of being a son, from the busyness of his whole life, and said, I'm going to spend time with my father. And what did it enable him to do? It enabled him to come back and live life better. It enabled him to come back and be empowered to serve at a different level. It enabled him to, to do the miracles and to do the teaching and, and to be a friend. All these things he was able to do because he had stopped and sat with his father. You know, we need to grasp the time to act and the time to stop. Both are valid, both are necessary. But in my experience, 15 years as a pastor now, most people are stronger at one or the other. Very rarely do you find someone who's got the balance spot on. And I want to challenge us in this time to really consider life through this filter of the time of busyness and the time of serving, and the time of stopping, and the time of studying, and allowing Jesus to come into our world. That's the challenge I want to make in our character at this moment. You see, there are people that are always active, always busy, always doing, always organizing stuff, living a busy life, doing stuff, but what happens is they end up living on empty. And although they do lots of stuff, they achieve very little because it's coming from a place of, oh, I can do this, I can do that. And before you know it, you have spent no time with Jesus and you've made an idol out of busyness and you're doing lots of stuff, but you're achieving very little. Remember, Jesus said, not many things are actually needed. And we think these things are necessary, but could we pause in this moment and decide what's really necessary? It's a good question. But then there are other people who do very little. 
And they're forever studying. And they're sitting at the feet of Jesus. And there isn't a book they haven't read. And they know every worship song. And, and, and they've debated it with everyone. And they're so full of, of knowledge and understanding that that can be unhealthy too. Because I look at it like this. It's almost like the Dead Sea. Very famous um, uh, water in our, in our world. But the Dead Sea is so full of salt that nothing can live in it. That's why it's the Dead Sea. You, you may have been there. You'll have seen pictures, I'm sure, where people lay in it and you just float because there is so much salt that you, you can't sink. But this is why. Because it has an inlet, but it doesn't have an outlet. So water can come in, but because it can't go anywhere, the salt just gathers and nothing can live there. And so if you're forever taking something in but never doing anything, you've not got an outlet. So in the end, that also becomes unhealthy. It is important to be a student, but it's also important to be a servant. If you don't have both, they become unhealthy. And the key for us is timing. What is the time in your week to be serving and to be a student? And you, we all have both. And so my challenge here is to know the time to act and know the time to stop. The people who I see as the most successful in any walk of life are the people who act at the right times but know when to stop and refill. And when they refill, they can go back and they can act at a better level and they achieve more. And my hope with all of you is whatever dream you have, you will achieve it. But I can promise you this, you will achieve it when you understand these two principles and the timing involved. You will need both. If I can speak to the church right now, People are looking for something more. In this season, more than we've ever known in the history of, the, of our life at least, people are looking more. Could we be a church that understands the time to act and serve and the time to stop and be a student and get full so that we can step into people's situations to become part of the solution? There needs to be a time that we're full enough that we can go out and we can serve well. And as we serve and as we lay ourselves down and as we sacrifice some stuff, God will bring with him the miraculous. God will bring with him his weight behind our actions, which will change lives in ways that could never have happened without him. Jesus brings the best wine. In fact, can I make a prophetic declaration over you right now? The best wine is coming. I want to speak it over your life right now. I don't know what your experience is. I don't know where you stand in faith, but I want to declare over you right now, the best wine is coming. Have a hope in your heart. You know, church, could we wrestle with some of those thoughts that we talked about today and really consider ourselves as we come out of this? Are we just going to go back to all the things we made important before? Are we going to go back to the way we used our time before? Or are we going to stop and say, Jesus, what are you saying? I need to pause, I need to hear your wisdom because you get in my heart because I want to do the things that are going to make a difference to my life, a difference to other people's lives, that are going to bless you in heaven, that is going to bring heaven to earth. I want to make it important. So could we wrestle with that church? I'd just like to pray that one in for you. Father God, I just thank you for every amazing person that's tuned into this message. Lord, I ask for great wisdom. I ask for people to come to you just to pause for a moment and say, Lord, help me to grasp this lesson. Help me to be a servant when you need me to be a servant, to do what you tell me to do. And help me to be a student when it's time to stop the busyness and sit at your feet. 
Lord, let me get the balance right because I want to flourish. I don't want to carry on living how I've always lived. I want to be a better version of myself. So help me to teach me this lesson, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm sure there'll be lots of you out there right now tuning into church, maybe the first time, second time, third time, in this season having a look. And I just want to cry out to you. There is no better decision you'll ever make than to say yes to Jesus. Jesus will always come into your world to lift you up, to make your world better, not worse. He doesn't come in to box you in. He comes to free you of all the things that have bound you up because he loves you. And all it requires for you is to say yes. He went to a cross to, to declare his love to you and say, I love you, I love you, I love you. I do this for you. I do this to position you for life. I do this to position you for a relationship with my Father. And when you get in relationship with the Father, your life just gets better. So can I cry out to you today? Is today the day you say yes to Jesus? Is today the day you open up your heart and say, I don't know everything, but I feel something going off in the inside of me and I want to say yes. If that's you, I'm going to pray for you right now. Come on church, pray with me. Father God, I just thank you for everyone right now who is saying yes to you, Jesus. I thank you that you've been stirring something in them that says there's got to be something more to this life. And the realisation that the more is you, Father God, the more is you, Jesus. So we pray, Father God, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die on a cross that he didn't deserve, but to lay his life down to live my life up. I turn away from the things that have kept me from you and I make a choice right now to let you into my heart, to lead my life forward, to be a better version of myself and to grow more like Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen, Amen.